Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency innovators actively building, growing, and investing in this emerging technology. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts quarterly conferences and monthly events live recorded for this podcast. Our current chapters are located in Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, San Francisco, Austin, San Antonio, and Dallas. Our upcoming conferences will be TF5 in Seattle on March 19, 2020, and TF6 in Austin on June 4, 2020. To get involved with TF Blockchain, participate in future TF conferences, attend a chapter in your area, or to start a new chapter, please visit tfblock.io. Hey, I want to share a special promo with you from our friends over at CoinMine so you can get your very own CoinMine 1 and mine cryptocurrency from your house in the simplest way possible. I have one, I love it, and I want to make sure you can get one too. So visit coinmine.com slash tfblock and use discount code tfblock to get $50 off. This podcast is presented by TF Labs, a blockchain product and startup studio. TF Labs collaborates with companies from growth stage to enterprise in order to establish their blockchain product strategy. As a startup studio, TF Labs builds and validates internal products to one day be spun out as companies. To partner or get involved with TF Labs, please visit us at tflabs.io. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. My name is Jonathan G. Blanco. I'm the founder and host of TF Blockchain Podcast, uh, also the founder of TF Labs. Uh, I'm in New York City right now, and I met someone incredibly interesting that I was thought I had to interview. Uh, so I'm really excited to introduce everybody here to Dr. Jen Welter. Uh, she's the first female coach in the NFL, and she has a doctor in sports psychology. We had some really interesting conversations uh, yesterday, and I thought she'd be a perfect guest for us. So, uh, Jen, please welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the crowd goes wild. <sighs> We actually, uh, we record a lot of our episodes in person with the crowd. So yeah. Just got to give that effect real quick. Yeah, so that they knew. Like, if there was a crowd, and That's there is always in my mind, I have my personal soundtrack, <laughs> then they would be going wild right now. They so are. just get that in your head. And, and if you are at home, you can still clap. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> well, welcome so, uh, to our podcast. Thank you for uh, agreeing to it. And, um, you know, I'd love if you just introduce yourself to everybody real quick. Um, You know, kind of broke on to the world of people knowing me as the first female coach in the NFL. But long before that, um, you know, I've kind of had a, I like to say I was married to the game of football, right? It was the sport that was the love of my life. Um, I played 15 years women's pro football. Wow. Now, I use pro lightly uh, because the first check I ever got for playing women's pro football was in... 2004 we had won a super bowl um you know women's super bowl so yeah. just take that lightly uh maybe not quite as super budgeted but um what's what's the league um the league back then was the women's uh pro football league wpfl but okay. it's been many throughout the years right right um so after the season we went 12 and 0 we were undefeated all season, we got a check and a twelve or a check for twelve dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's incredible. But um, <laughs> Holy cow. you know, that's why I say pro instead of professional because yeah. we couldn't quite afford all those letters yet. Right. So you're obviously not doing it for the money. No, no. It. You know, that's why I say it was kind of like marriage, yeah. right? For richer, for poorer, through sickness and health, and at times it felt like only death could pull us apart. Huh. Um. 
But in that time, I mean, it really just taught me about what it means to go after what you want in this world. And a lot of the times it's being called crazy, right? It's the ups and the downs, the things that nobody but you necessarily sees, but you do it because you know it's the right thing for you and you have a vision that the future will be different than the present. For sure. And, you know, it's kind of what drove me all these years. Um, I had the opportunity to win four Super Bowls. I was like an eight-time pro bowler, played on the first and second women's U.S. national team, won gold. um, Awesome. And then crossed into the worlds of men pro football. So that's incredible. And, you know, were you playing football in high school, college as well? No, football actually is a sport that is the only sport that I know of that doesn't have parity at any level from peewees to the pros. Right. So I was a great athlete in high school, um, played pretty much everything else. Soccer was my main sport. Um, then I got to Boston College and played rugby all four years there. So I learned how to tackle. And <laughs> when you learn that with no pads and no helmet, and then they later give you pads and a helmet. Make this a little bit easier. It, well, you know, it's it's two things. Number one, your form is way better. Um, and number two, you are pretty fearless, or at least I was. Yeah. So it was a good transition for me. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and so l- I love to talk about that transition from um, women's pro to then, I guess, men's pro, or however you would I- I identify that. And, you know, you hear of people or women sometimes like coming in as a kicker or, you know, something that's quote unquote um, less risky or, or, you know, less ability to get hurt. But you were a running back and a linebacker. Is that right? Um, Yeah, I was a running back in men's pro. And then when I started coaching, I was coaching linebackers. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I lovingly say I broke into men's pro football in the most painful way possible. Yeah. uh, Because I actually played and my job was to get tackled Every day. So for those of you who say we want to go toe to toe with the guys, hopefully you're doing it in a less risky fashion than I am. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So and how how long did you uh, do that for on the men's side? Um, Yeah. So I played with um, the guys team, a team called the Texas Revolution, which was indoor football. Yeah. I played for them in the 2014 season. And then in the 2015 season, I actually was brought in to coach. Oh, awesome. And how did that kind of work out? Did did you apply? Was there a, an application that you just wrote your name in for? Or how'd that work? Oh, the application was I probably <laughs> should have kept my mouth shut. You know, my mouth talks me into these things sometimes. <laughs> I guess passion and purpose will do that. You know, yeah. sometimes uh, they speak louder than your 5-2 frame should actually allow you to do. Um But I went to an event and it was one of those things, it was off season and you run into your teammates that you haven't seen in forever, right? And the guys saw me and, you know, they were excited and picked me up and tossed me around like a football because relative to them, I am one. (laughs) And it caught the attention of a new head coach. So former Dallas Cowboy, Wendell Davis, had taken over as the head coach of the team, so I didn't know him yet. And he looked at his defensive coordinator at the time, Devin Wyman, and he said, who is this girl that all my guys love? Yeah. And Devin said, coach, that's your running back. Now, Wendell and I have since talked about this. And he's like, you know, Jen, I knew everything about you. But what I didn't expect is that the guys would love you like that. Yeah. And why do you you think that is? I mean, like, 
I, I could see someone saying that, but then you start breaking down the psychology aspect of it, right? Yeah. Like, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, typically you think of it as somebody who's maybe being tolerated, right? Yeah. Having a a woman on a men's pro football team could be considered a novelty, novelty or a, you know, a publicity stunt right. or she'd be an outsider. And so he knew I was there, but he really didn't um, necessarily understand the team dynamics. For sure. And so it caught his attention when he saw it yeah. and Wendell's a really direct guy which I appreciate anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty darn direct and he called me over he sits me down at his table and he just starts you know grilling me I mean he's an intense guy right yeah. like this is not a chill laid-back conversation this is like all right tell me about the team what was good what did they do bad if you were in charge if you were in my shoes what would you do differently oh and you're kind of um you know someone that could give him that transition right because he that, that was his first year and that so was you his give first him a year transition yeah and I full disclosure you know I knew that I was one and done right I had survived getting hit by those guys for you know every day for a season I lovingly say that year aged me dog years, um, but I did it. Um, I didn't know what's next, but what I did know is that, you know, being someone who is kind of an outsider, right? At that point, I considered myself that way. Like, I'm not coming back, so I don't have to maybe pull punches to ensure that I have a place. Um, I could be totally honest. Right. And, you know... I really laid it out for him. This is what was good. This is what wasn't. You know, uh, this this could get you in trouble. This, you know, you're going to struggle here. Boom, boom. And he, you know, kind of grilled me on the football stuff. And we really had a great conversation and hit it off and exchanged numbers. And then we both went our separate ways. Okay. Um, the next day, I get a phone call from him. I'll never forget it because I was getting ready to teach a spin class. So I'm literally like on the bike people are coming into the class you know i'm sitting there getting warmed up and my phone rings and like coach jen it's it's wendell davis i was like great oh well sorry it wasn't coach jen at that point my bad <laughs> i was like it's it's coach wendell davis and i said um i was like hey coach how you doing and he said you know all Devin and i could talk about on our ride home yesterday was how you have to coach this football team and i said what? <laughs> like, what i'm like no what are you talking about? Like, dude, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> girls don't coach football. That You know, at that time, as far as I know, there were no women coaching football at any level of pro football. Yeah. And so there was no one I could look at and kind of think, you know, I want to be her. And I you know, girls don't coach football. Right. Not doing that. Plus, you want to throw me right into men's pro football? No. Yeah. And he said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said no, and I hung up on him. <laughs> um, you know, thankfully, Wendell saw something in me probably before I even saw it in myself or definitely before I did. Right. Because uh, the next day he called me back and told me about myself. He said, do you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity or were taking this job? I said, yeah. He said, good. I took it for you. <laughs> he signed you up. That's right. He <laughs> signed me right up. He pushed me off the cliff. Um, and, and drop kicked me to success. It's like when you sign up for someone else on a silent auction, it's up uh, a little bit different. Right. It was like somebody <laughs> threw you on a dating website, right? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like, who is this guy messaging me? Uh, but no, I mean, he, he really said, he was like, you know, and by the way, you can't quit. 
Because otherwise, then the entire narrative surrounding women coaching and men's pro football will be, um, we had a girl once and she quit. And it really, you know, it speaks a lot to me about several things, right? Um, How powerful it can be when somebody sees something in you before you even, you know, see it in yourself. For sure. Also, you know, how hard it is sometimes as... um, a woman or or a minority in any case right it doesn't have to be man versus woman but the power of representation right. right being able to see someone and say oh my gosh that person is like me and you know maybe maybe i could do that right because here i was one of the very best undisputed best women's football players in the world i'd already made history in women's football several times and then made it as a player in men's football, and yet it never crossed my mind that all of those qualifications, oh, and by the way, a master's in sports psychology, a PhD in psychology, all of this, you know, things that I had studied, coach-athlete relationships, I was very good in team dynamics, all of these things, and yet it never once crossed my mind that I could and maybe should coach football that's because crazy. there was no one I could see totally that's crazy I mean it, it makes sense when you say it like that but like in the moment I could totally see why you wouldn't have thought of that if there's if there's no representation it's it's like it's not on the menu right it's like not you, on the menu you don't have it's that not to an choose, option you don't have that to choose from right and, and I think I think for anybody mm-hmm. who is kind of a disruptor which I've been accused of being once or twice right which I appreciate um it then becomes a a situation where we can look at existing narratives and see, you know, why storytelling is so important. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, is there somebody who looks like me? And if it's not yet there in the real world, then can we change the almost the virtual one? Right? This yeah. year was really exciting to me. Um because you know, I became the first female head coach in Madden football. Oh, that's awesome! So here it is, Madden twenty, like the video game Madden football. Yes. Yeah. And there is there's a mode in there. I'm kind of like where is Waldo in Madden? So if you're a gamer, like you have to check it out. I'm I'm there in more than one place, which mm-hmm. is fun, right? Yeah. I am there in the story mode as a reporter, but not called myself. And that was already cast. I had impressed some people. They cast me in that role. And they were excited to have me in the game. But then they were also kind of like, it's cool, but it's not as cool as it could be because it's not you. Yeah. Right? Like you're playing a character and if they don't know you, they won't know what it means for you to be there. Right. And so the big development of Madden 20 was this new mode called Superstar KO mode. And it has some fantasy in it, right? Like John Madden has a team. So you could have him as your coach, right? Got it, got it. You know, uh, who else is in there? Snoop Dogg is now in there, but he wasn't in there originally. So you could have Coach Snoop as a coach, you know, (laughs) Um, and you could have Coach Jen. And so you could go in and actually choose to have a female coach. Well, without making a big political statement of like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's representation, it's coaching women. Like, I flat out have the best defense, right? My team is team (laughs) shutdown. And... It's a fast play mode. So if you get one turnover, you're probably going to win. 
And anybody who knows me knows it's very true to form because it's like uh, my team motto is if they can't score, they can't win. Right. Um, so, I like that. Yeah. Uh, it's totally out of my mouth. They all know. I'm like, <laughs> offense, uh, whatever. The, the offense is only a bonus, right? If they can't score, they can't win. Yeah. And so you have a whole generation of gamers who will choose a female coach like because she's a good coach and you want that team. And I have people. For sure. Which who, is the reason why you want them to select the, that's right. the female but coach. But I have people who are like, oh, no, that is my team. Like. Every time I'm in Superstar KO, like I'm team shut down all the way. I like coach. I ride with you. That's awesome. And I'll have kids who don't, they don't know about the history. They don't know gold medals or PhD or played against men. They know, oh yeah, she's super dope. She's like in Madden. Yeah. Right. So we have an opportunity to change narratives, not only through what happens in, in the real world, but in the storytelling world. That's as a well. really interesting point of view there, and that makes a lot of sense. In, in it's it's like if you can't maybe in a different situation, if you can't break the barrier in the in the real world, um, breaking in the virtual world, you know, mm-hmm. starts to break that down. Right. I, I haven't like, thought think about, about movies. Before. Yeah, think about movies, right? Like or characterization, right? Like look at um, look at the power of Black Panther, right? Right? Like like let's talk about that. You know, you're not you're not having this culture be the culture of villains that you a lot of the time see mm-hmm. like it's the good guy it's yeah. the superhero totally. so that kid gets to see himself as a superhero and i have a firm belief that because superheroes are are a representation of our ideal self versus our real self sure. that often takes something that you know would traditionally be considered epically bad right like spider-man got bitten by a poisonous spider and he developed super skills right so we're taking a childhood trauma and we're turning it into a super scenario right right and so those superheroes have the power to teach kids right to see a a best version of themselves Right. And one that is also flawed. It's not perfection. Yep. Um, but we teach them to think about it differently through those characters. And it's like I always look at the power of some of the, you know, a a phenomenon like Wonder Woman. Right. And how powerful that is versus a, um, you know, a traditional story like a princess, yeah. uh, like, I don't know who's running around in glass slippers. Well, no wonder she needed a prince. Like who can run in glass slippers? Like yeah. they're going to shatter and hurt your feet, right? You're yeah. not you're not actually going to change the world like running around in glass slippers. Unless you probably better have a lasso of truth or something. Unless it's coach Jen on the football field. Right. Like <laughs> no, just totally. Yeah, I'm going to end up using those glass slippers as weapons. It's going to be really bad for you. I'm going to throw them at you and run barefoot. Glass cleats. Right. No, yeah, we were talking about that um, last night, like with uh, the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, both my parents came from Venezuela. Um, you know, they have thick accents, grew up speaking Spanish in the house. And, you know, I like superhero movies. I, I'm a, a fan of Batman. And, um, and you know, I thought Spider-Man was cool. But when I watched the show or the, the new movie with my son... And then I'm like, oh, wow, Spider-Man's Latino, and um, he speaks Spanish and Spanglish. I'm like, that's really cool. And then, I, and, then I, yeah. and then I had this moment, and I go, holy shit. Like, I never knew that I needed a Spanish superhero. Like, it just never occurred to me. I was never like, oh, man, there needs to be a Latino superhero out there, like, for equality. I've never thought that in my entire life. And then when I saw him as a superhero, I was like, 
that's that's really cool like he has now become my favorite superhero and it was just it wasn't intentional it was just very much like I feel like I can identify to him and like the way his parents scold him or whatever. You know what I mean? It was, it was really cool. It Look, was really cool. We all need a superhero. Yeah. We, we do. And, and you know, sometimes not having that or not having someone else see it makes it hard to envision. Yeah. Right? And, and you don't know what you don't know when you don't know it. Right. Sure. I, I always say like there are a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I didn't even know women played football. Well, that's okay. I can't be mad at that. For sure. But there's a difference between what happens, you know, before you knew and what you do once you're, you know, you have this awakening or this introduction. That's the power of meeting different people. That's the power of learning about different things. And it's the power of having a vision oftentimes that maybe people don't relate to. You know, I tell people all the time, what if everything that you've been told was wrong about you all through your life and all through your journey was actually what made you right, right? What if that was actually your superpower? For sure. Because for me, I mean, though I I sound big and confident here on the microphone and it always happens, like people imagine me as this like giant person, right? They're like, oh yeah, Coach Judge, she's like 5'10", 5'11". I'm like, yeah, totally. Right. When I'm standing on a box next to Tom Cruise in a movie, you guys are nuts. Right. Like I am five foot two. Yeah. So I was told throughout my whole life that I was too small to do this or, you know, that I didn't look like a football player. Right. I'm not this. You know, People have this idea in their head of what a female football player would look like. And she's definitely not me yeah i mean i'd show up to games sometimes and they'd be like oh look you're still lucky like got to ride to the game with the cheerleaders and i'd be like oh cheerlead this <laughs> right like and and one day it really kind of shifted in my mind it was not their problem or not my problem it was theirs yeah right they hated the fact that i was little and cute and kicking their butt Okay, well, let me think about this. So instead of fighting that and trying to make myself look like, you know, really tough and like maybe like talk smack to like your belly button, because it's not really intimidating when like a chihuahua talks to like a German shepherd. I know I have a right. I know I used to have German shepherds and I have a chihuahua (laughs) and he used to do that. And they kind of look at him like, bro, you serious? Right. Like, and they kind of look at me like, mom, I could put him in my mouth. Please don't eat the little dog, right? So, you know, someone like me trying to chirp up to, you know, someone who's a foot taller than me, not really that intimidating and kind of probably going to get me patted on the forehead, right? Yeah. But what if instead of fighting that, you know, trying to be something that I, I wasn't, what if I just really leaned into what they hated about me? Yeah. Right? Like, what if, for example, instead of, you know, wearing black, I started to wear like a pink undershirt. And what if I took the shoelaces out? Because you can't freestyle that much on a football uniform. Yeah. I mean, like, let's just be honest. It's pretty regulated. But you could maybe change your shoelaces from black to pink and, you know, your undershirt. And, you know, you could wear pigtail braids underneath your helmet. Not really that intimidating, but very effective. Yeah. And actually keeps you from having that ponytail bump on your helmet, which could could feed into a concussion. It's not smart. I don't care if you're a male or a female, no ponytail bump. Right? 
And what if I actually started wearing makeup when I played? And really, where your uh, psychology uh, doctorate played in? (laughs) Hundred percent. Like, I I really think that the smartest thing I did was get my PhD while I was playing football because I'd learn things. I'd be like, huh, I wonder if that works. Like, let me try it out. And so, once I really adopted the character of who I was in the game of football. That's when I went from, you know, being solid to being a standout, mm-hmm. right? Because now I created this persona and it, mm-hmm. I, I always, because I work with kids a lot, I created my superhero self. Her name is Gridiron Girl, right? And one of her superpowers, like when she got, when she hit, got hit and got back up, she got stronger, right? Like, yeah. so it's one of those things, like everybody gets hit, but when, what are you going to do when you get hit, For right? Sure. It's not an option to stay on the ground. So you got to get up. And mine was always, I'm so little, I can't stay on the ground longer than anybody, right? Because that would mean that they won right. psychologically. So I don't care how big the person was that either tackled me or I tackled. I was popping up first and a lot of the times I would lean back down and be like, hey, baby, do you need a hand up? Because I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> right? And and it became this couldn't be tackled, couldn't be beaten, um, very small, very fast, like almost superhuman yeah. character. No, I love that. And, and you're just getting in people's brains that like, hey, I'm going to work harder than you. That's right. You know? And we all have that ability. Yeah. Right? Like mine might have been on the football field to tap into my superhero self. But for all of you who are listening, remember – Nobody that you come in contact with brand new, right? We're not talking about long history. We're not talking about that friend from high school who can always make you still feel like, you know, you're socially awkward and don't belong. We're not talking about those people. No history. Brand new scenario. They, They meet you and you have the opportunity to be the person that you want to be. Right. Right. From. And no one can tell you otherwise. No. Right. From from the way you take that meeting, from the way that you speak, from the eye contact, from the care, from the, you know, from the seat that you choose, from the sunglasses that you wear, all of those things like you, you are what you show them. You are the author, director, actor and producer of your very own life. And sometimes that requires you to tap in a little bit to your superhero self. For sure. For sure. And, you know, when you're kind of saying that makes me think of. uh I'm not a, as big as a movie buff as I'm about to sound because I'm just n- saying movies over and over again. But uh, do you remember eight, the movie Eight Mile with Eminem? A hundred percent. Still but, one of my favorite personal soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but the end scene where the last battle, right? It may, it's sort of different, obviously, but it makes me think of that where... Um, Clarence has a real nice parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah, He's we like, go in this second, movie all this, day. This guy is going to burn me on any any of my, fl- my perceived flaws. Right. But I'm gonna let I'm gonna go ahead and just let them know that I'm aware of those flaws, right. and frankly, those flaws is what makes me who I am. That's and right. That is my superpower, right? That, that's right. <laughs> so, like, how do you beat that? How do you beat someone that's fully aware? And you know, it kind of just makes me think of that. And uh, it's definitely a lesson for you know, like the business world or or really any world, any relationship. It's like, hey, like, I'm I'm perfectly okay where I'm at, and. The, the good or the bad of it, I use it towards, you know, my narrative and what I'm going to be or become or how I'm going to behave. Look, so, I already know this. Okay? No one is perfect. Right. No one has all the answers. So if you present yourself in a way to me that 
you are flawless, I already know you're lying about something. For sure. Right? And psychologically, we all know that. Right? So I'll be somebody who is very transparent, which is what people like about me. They know I, you know, I cut to the cut to the heart of something, right? Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, I'm really good at this. I've never done this. Don't you dare ask me about that because I've got nothing for you. Yeah. But when we hit my sweet spot, I am in the zone and I will give you, you know, my absolute opinion and it will be, you know, very concise, very this and very resolute. Yeah. And then on other things, like I tell people, I'm coachable. I don't want to have all the answers. For sure. What I want is a team of people who everybody has their own superpowers and they are all better than me at what that area is. Because sure. that's when the magic happens. Yeah. I always say the most dangerous person you can ever meet is the person that knows it all. Like, like if they if they legit believe they know everything, oh, it's the run. worst person run. you can ever be run. around. Run, because it's called a narcissist, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, you are in big trouble. Yeah. Run, run, run. Um, you well, know, yeah. it's, it's a bad thing. Totally, totally. And I imagine, you know, you said that makes you coachable. You know, I imagine when you when you think about it in that way, it's like you're probably one of those people that can learn things really quickly because you formulate it back to your process, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's more um, – so I do product management, for example. Mm-hmm. And when I always describe product management, people are like, well, what is product management? It's like, well, product management is essentially like productizing um, technology, but it's ideally even before that is you're finding problems or pains and developing products that fit that pain or that need, right? But it's also just, frankly, a way of thinking, right? It's a way of breaking down problems. I, you know, I, I remember this one time I, I interviewed someone for a job, and um, literally every single question that I asked her, she answered wrong. Every single one. Just <laughs> wrong. <clears throat> You're like, dope. But what was so amazing to me was the way she could formulate and break down the question. Like, I could almost, like, see the layers in her brain as right. she's responding back to me and basically answering even though it was wrong I was like wait a second if she knew the right answer then she's just going to be unstoppable right right? so like okay I don't care that you know you don't know any of these things you got them all wrong (laughs) I care that you know how to think because I can't teach you that part like that's there or that just takes way too long but if you know how to think then you know we can just get you the information and you're going to be unstoppable right and if you if you like things like that right Right. like you know i remember when i was coaching for the cardinals um which we got to get to that point too by the way right right, we haven't gotten to that but you know one of the things that's hard when you're very good is when somebody is hard on you yeah and i remember one of my players had a particularly tough day and he was one who i knew was going to be great Right. You know, and as a coach, those are the things that you just live for. Right. You you see this person like not only and he was a rookie, like not only is he going to make the team, but he's going to play this year and he's going to be a beast. Right. Like this guy's got it. But he had gotten chewed out that day. And I I asked him, I said, do you know why we're so hard on you? Because you see, yeah, you see the potential. That's right. Yeah. But he said, no, coach. And I said, because you've got it. Yeah. And we all know it. And we need you to get there quick because not only are you going to make it, but we're going to need you this year. And so what you have to realize is the best gift a coach can make, can give you is to make you better. For sure. And he looked at me and he was like, coach, I never thought of it that way. And I started laughing because I put myself in my player's shoes and I was like, listen, when I was a player, I wish I could tell you 
I saw it that way. Yeah. And I didn't always. For sure. But I'm from a different vantage point now. Yeah. And hopefully, like, you seeing that now will help you in ways that I wasn't helped. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's interesting, too, you know, and I'm assuming getting to the psychology side of this, too, is is in human nature, I feel like in general relationships, people tear each other down a little bit more. Right. And so on this on the football field, there might be like this backing of, wait a second, I'm being torn down like I am in my home life or like my 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 spouse does or whatever. Right. And to think like, hey, wait, no, someone's doing this. I played uh, basketball in, in high school. And I was really good, um, you know, in, in ninth grade. And then I get to a next level up in 10th grade. And I was, I was still good. But I remember my coach just ripping me apart all the time. And I just kind of same thing. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I am terrible. And, like, same thing. He's like, no, no, Jonathan. It's like, you're good. It's just the competition's more difficult. And I know you can get there. And I was like, oh. Right. And then just applying that, to, you know, to life is, you know, with, with uh, whenever I hire someone or I talk to someone, I was like, look, if I'm not consistently trying to make you better, um, at what you're doing, there's an issue there, right? It either means that you already figured everything out for our company, or um, I just know you're not coachable anymore, right? right? And which one do you think it might most likely is? And I'm, I'm by no means perfect, right? Like I, that's why, kind of like you, is I want to surround myself around people that can also make me better, mm-hmm. call out my flaws, um, uh, and challenge s- me, you know? And so much about that um, is really about how you frame the conversation and how your relationship is framed. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and I'm assuming that you might have to have a different framework for different people. Well, how you, yes and no. Or delivery, perhaps. Delivery, yes. Framework, not necessarily, because it it's founded on trust. Yeah. Right? Like, if you trust that I am a person who, I always used to, I tell all of my players, I don't care what, what level it is, like in football and in life, when I can help you, I will help you. Yeah. My goal is to simply make you better, right? If you trust in those things and you know I am always going to do my very best to put you in a position of success, then you know if I tell you something, I believe it. And you know if I you know, challenge you on your technique or push you out of your comfort zone. It's also because I believe it's the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not picking on you just to be a jerk. I'm not for framing sure. it that way. I am working on you to put you in a position to succeed. And I tell people, when I pick on inches, it's because you deserve inches. Yeah. I know you're capable of more. So why am I going to let you be less than your best self? For sure. I am investing in you that time and attention. And so when you frame it on trust, then the delivery, yes. You know, it might need, some people need to be just talked to one-on-one. Some people, you know, like you to fire them up. Some people, you know, need a pat on the back. It, it Those things change. But I think the trust and relationship aspect is so important because, yes, so many people are used to being torn down yeah. that a lot of the times you need to reframe them on motivation and create clarity that, you know, even if I tell you something and my delivery might be slightly off, no, it's because I'm not perfect either. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'm going to get frustrated too, but I'm not yelling at you just to yell. And I'm also not... Um, you know, we always say, like, criticize the technique or, you know, coach the technique, but don't attack 
the person. For sure. Right? Like, it's not, what, are you stupid? No. Like, hey, that might have been a stupid play. You might have done the wrong thing. But that doesn't make you a stupid human being. Right. And those are lines that I think um, people blur too often. And that's where you can, you know, really damage not only the person, but also, like, the relationship as a whole. For sure. It's, it's that fundamental nature, right, and the repetition. And if you do things the same way every single time or in the same form or, um, you know, you're, you're less likely to make a mistake. Uh, I, I had a, a retail store, um, one of my first companies, and uh, my employees used to, it used to irritate them that I would say, like, hey, every bill needs to face this certain direction. And they're like, well, why does it matter? And I was like, because if you, when you're counting the change at the end of the night and Andrew Jackson's head is always facing to the left and it's heads up, when you see a wrong bill or something, you're going to know that there's an error, right? Like if you all of a sudden you see a different bill there, you're going to find it quicker. And it, like, even though that may seem like super subtle and, and, and small and like, you know, you're being really nitpicky. It's like, hey, like, don't give yourself the opportunity to make a mistake. Right. And, you know, I, I think you can you can allow that for really anything in the business world or, you know, the sports world, whatever it is. It's all about that fundamental aspect of it, because then you're doing it second nature. Right. And that's what you want. The more you can automate the processes. Right. And take some of the the rote memorization challenge of like relatively simple things out of the equation the more you free your mind for upper level thought exactly exactly yeah like you it becomes more like a reflex right yeah. and then i totally totally agree so so let's get back to um you know kind of how you got from um the the arena to uh the nfl so funny enough um as someone who like i said um, turned down my first coaching opportunity and, and really tried to not take it. Um, success is a powerful thing, and I think cultural momentum is as well. Um, and what happened, I actually you know, was successful in a team that was challenging. Uh, we started with nine coaches, uh, and it was kind of like Survivor Island or Ten Little Indians because we went from nine – um, and eventually we're down to two. Wow. And not even the head coach was still there. It was just me and Devin Wyman. So we were really the odd couple of coaching. And I had to learn very fast. Um, and the relational aspects really served me well. And um, having success with the players gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, oh, I don't care if it's not been done before, I can do this. Yeah. Right. And then it probably forced you to step up even more than maybe. Oh, right? gosh. Yeah had to and and it wasn't necessarily someone else's process like i had to figure it out my way and um you know a lot of the times though it might be a little bit of the hard way um it also forces you to learn it a lot deeper um as opposed to just going through somebody else's motions and so when um sarah thomas was announced as the first full-time female ref in nfl history Mm -hmm. uh, a reporter asked Bruce Arians if he could ever see, and at that time Bruce was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, um, if he could ever see a female coaching in the NFL. And Bruce's answer was pretty simple. The second a woman proves that she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. So I talked to my head coach about it, Devin, and um, you know I kind of told him what he said, and 
Devin very simply, you know, this is a former NFL player. And he's like, well, we should call Bruce. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm just <laughs> going to pick up the phone and call Bruce Arians, you know, one of the most powerful 32 coaches in all of the NFL. Sure, like, let me just call yeah. me on the phone, right? And he kind of challenged me. He was like, can you get me his number? And I thought, dude, you played in the NFL. Can't <laughs> you get his number, right? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I don't know then. Can I get his number? Yeah. So I just got curious, right? And I went home and got online and looked up the Arizona Cardinals and, you know, started looking around for a phone number. And I found one and I called the Cardinals um, and I called on behalf of my head coach. Uh, You know, my head coach wanted to talk to their head coach about this female coach on his staff because though it was not the NFL, there was already a woman coaching in men's pro football and, you know, head coach to head coach. My head coach thought that their head coach should know. Yeah. Um, so I kind of called the Cardinals on behalf of myself as <laughs> if I wasn't myself. I love, that. um, you know, that's the entrepreneur hustle right yeah. there. Right. Yeah. And why not? I apparently was very convincing because I talked my way all to Bruce's assistant and he was like, you know, I think BA would really want to take this call. Let me get your head coach's number and, you know, I'll have him call him back. Well, contrary to the movie Draft Day, if you've ever seen it, where, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting ready for the draft and yet all of these life things happen. Like they go out and they have like a funeral on the 50 yard line and all that stuff. That stuff doesn't happen before the draft. Like <laughs> this is one of the most intense times, right? This right. is like your company's about to IPO and we have to make a few strategic hires, right? Like <laughs> you are in the trenches. There's there's no outside world. Yeah. Um so I really thought I had gotten blown off, but I was super proud of myself that I called the Cardinals. Yeah, I was like, was Yeah, awesome. that was awesome, right? Um No, I, I love those type of things, right? It's like it's 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 um finding like incremental wins right Mm -hmm. so like just that if nothing else happens there like you know for yourself that like hey i I put it on the line and you know if it ends here at least i tried right right? you know right like if it if it ends here i'm no worse off than i was before and um about two weeks later i walked into practice and devin was like elated right like he's this big guy anyway and he had this huge smile on his face and he was like you will never guess who I talked to yesterday. It was Bruce Arians. And he said, tell me about this girl. So eventually, um, Bruce invited me out to a Cardinals practice. Um, it was in, you know, OTAs, which are not optional team activities. Just for the record, it's organized team activities. So, mm-hmm. you know, optional is only in your mind. Uh, <laughs> but for a girl who at that point in my life, like the closest I had ever been to an NFL sidelines was the nosebleed section. Like, this was an epic day. Yeah. And I remember being so nervous until I heard the pads pop. And I was like, this is the field I've been on for, you know, forever. Yeah. And then I'll never forget about Bruce Arians here. And, you know, for any, anyone who's listening, here's the most powerful man on that field. Right. And he had everything on that field to manage and and to worry about. And yet I was his guest. And obviously it was obvious who I was because there was no female for miles and miles and miles. (laughs) 
Um, and he made me feel like I was the most important person there. That's awesome. You know, he was fully vested in the conversation and it felt like I had, I had known him for a million years in, in two minutes. Right. And yeah, because he could just as easily just left you off and be like, oh, awesome. Thanks for coming. Check the box. No, he was actually legitimately interested yeah. in having a conversation. And we had a conversation. And at the end of it, essentially, he was like, you know, I don't know yet if I can make this happen. I have to get all of the right yeses. But I want you to know it's in my heart to try. And so it wasn't me banging down doors and it wasn't me harassing and you have to let me in because I'm a woman and all of these things. It was really like someone who was in power who could make a change and bet his reputation on me yeah because you know i tell people all the time it becomes easy after the first but at that time you know here is one of the best guys in football and he has a stellar reputation and yet it could have been one of those yeah bruce we love him he's so amazing yeah, but do you remember the time he lost his mind and hired that girl? Yeah. Right? Like that is that is the the downside of change, right? You can you can look like a disruptor, you can be somebody who makes that move, and a lot of people don't don't think about the what if something goes wrong. Yeah. And so I say he he really bet his entire uh football legacy on me and um you know, he's been a real champion for change, not only for me, but he's continued to do it afterwards as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you did that um, uh, through the, the spring, or sorry, the preseason and spring and yep, so forth. Yeah, preseason. And... Um, it was preseason and training camp of 2015. Nice, nice. And so, you know, what have you been doing since then? Are, are you going to get back into coaching? Are you, because you do your own programs as well, where you coach, you know, your kind of, you have your own community of, of, uh, girls that are in yeah so um, and so, and... Uh, so i'll just I'll, I'll make it really clear from a path standpoint um after the cardinals um i took an opportunity to become the head coach of the first australian women's national team oh, um wow. fielded their first national team for them ever it was like australia and football yeah i'm doing this and i got to bring <laughs> some of my favorite coaches ever with me my u.s national team um head coach and defensive coordinator from 2010 awesome. came with me. So we were kind of like the band of Americans and, you know, helping them really take the game to the next level. Uh, for us, it was about showing them how good the game of football could be and sowing seeds so it could grow. Um, and that was, I mean, that was an amazing, you know, part of my life um, going back and forth to Australia and really helping to impact the culture and those girls. Um, and then, um, I founded Gridiron Girls, which are like my football camps for girls, because I noticed that nobody was coaching the girls. Yeah. And there were no football camps for girls going on around the country. It didn't exist. So here I thought like, well, this is, this is entrepreneurship. This is, you know, blue sky, right? There's no limits. No one's doing this. This is a no-brainer. This is a definite <laughs> win. First female coach in the NFL. And everybody looked at me like I was absolutely insane. Yeah. Right? Like. Well, girls don't want to play football. No, actually, girls have never had the opportunity to decide if they wanted to play football. Right. And for me, it wasn't even, and it's still not, about whether or not I can build these, you know, superstar football players. It's teaching these girls confidence through football and showing them that there's no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. Totally. And what's, like... 
you know, what's the, you probably know this more than I have, but I'm assuming the percentage of people that go from peewees in high school to the NFL is probably like single digits or probably like fractions of digit oh, yeah. percentages, right? So it's like you're, you're teaching them life skills. Right. Um, and and um, through sports. Right. Like that's the best part of sports is more the life skills aspect because the grand majority are not going to play professional. You're not grooming them to play professional right. sports. I'm, I'm grooming them to have a, a, a mentality in life um, and this is the place where I can move the needle. And I tell people, I'm like, you know, football was my field of dreams. It was the place in this world that I learned I could be magic. And so bringing you into my world allows me to introduce that magic to yours. And I want you to find your world where that place is yeah. through my mentality and some of those things. And it's a powerful place because these girls don't come in with the preconceived notion, most of them, right? Although some some play and it's great to to show them what the next level can be for a lot of these girls you know this is that place where they were taught already that they don't belong yeah. and so for me to make them feel right there by giving them some skills i.e like you don't catch like a girl or throw like a girl you either catch a football or it hits the ground and you either <laughs> do it with proper form or not totally and it's not a gender thing and so I always tell them, I'm like, let your game speak louder than your gender. Meaning if you're good, they will want you because of your skill. Don't let it be that argument of you have to take me because I'm a girl because they don't have to. Yeah. But if you're good, regardless of what field it is, they will want you because you're a because you're good and that's regardless of if you're a girl or not they want the best talent so um you know learn the skills develop them and realize nothing's owned but with with the right practice and opportunity you can take those you know you can catch a ball and run with it just like anybody else yeah yeah no it makes sense and it's it's so true like and that's for really for anybody right it's like you know you want um your skills your work ethic your talent your um, your fundamentals, just all of that to speak, speak for itself. You don't need someone else or, or something to speak for you. Um, but like, but at the same notion is that you need like that support network, right? Yeah. And, and that's great that you've been able to establish that support network. Well, and, but you know, it's still a challenge. Um, so one of the things that I did, um, just recently was essentially like, so kick glass is one of my is one of my trademarks, glass ceilings, glass sidelines, the glass slipper mentality, even the looking glass that, you know, kicks back at all of us once in a while, <laughs> um, you know, break those down and, and whatever's holding you back. Like, let's break through it. As I joked about the glass slippers earlier. Yeah. Um, so I trademarked kick glass um, and founded the kick glass foundation um, just recently. And it is about having people be able to help with that. Because, you know, I get uh, requests from girls and programs all over the country and the world. Oh, my gosh, bring that here. And because there's no big support mechanism, it's challenging. Because, you know, although I might have the, you know, pro football name, I never made the pro football money. Yeah. And, you know, a dollar a game really, like, it, it doesn't carry that far. Um, <laughs> so allowing people to have the opportunity to see something that, that moves them and having them have a way to, you know, come in and move the needle. Um, we also have nail polish. 
that was kind of my cool uh, moment earlier this year. Uh, they can't see this, but as you notice, like the nails are uh, are a thing. Yeah. And um, Kick Glass is produced by Orly, and it gives this, like, as you see it, it looks like shatter glass. Yeah. Um, it's the top coat, and we launched that in uh, Ulta Beauty earlier this year. Oh, awesome. Um, and it was in all 2,100 stores across the country and was their number three nail polish launch of all time. Wow. Um, that's so awesome. that's been really exciting. And for me, it it breaks down yet another kind of stereotype of, you know, you don't look like a football player, right? Or yeah. a football player wouldn't have her nails done and some of that. Um, so that's been great, that in conjunction with Madden. And then earlier this year, I mean, you asked, am I still coaching in pro football? Um, I was in the Alliance of American Football, which was the pro football league that launched um, early 20. 19 yeah and both rose and fell that season so i have a little bit of football ptsd um because <laughs> it was one of the most intense things I i've bet. ever done um uh, but i'm always close to football in one way or another um and you know kind of pushing those boundaries and and being an instigator yeah that's awesome that's awesome i love it well you know this is a, a podcast that we normally talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency I know you're relatively new to it. We're both advisors uh, for Somi um, and uh, with Chris Kramer. So, um, you know, I, I love to kind of just ask you real quick because I know you don't know a ton about cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. but you're definitely interested in it and, and obviously wanting to learn more. You know, I love to kind of talk that real fast. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I was approached about it initially and it not being my world, um, I, I always say I'm coachable. But you got to do the due diligence and you've got to get it from an independent source, right? Because when I, you know, and it goes back to the psychology, when I initially heard cryptocurrency, I think cryptic, right? And so it was like, oh, it's, it's shady. Stay away. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of things that are different and new, you know, a lot of us just throw our hands up like we don't know and it's scary and I'm not going to do it. But I had a trusted person um, look into what they were doing. And the first words out of his mouth were, it's all about transparency and openness. And and I went, well, then that's a terrible name, right? Like, that was my first thing. I was like, yeah. well, why are we cryptic then? And what occurred to me is that there are a lot of, you know, kind of misperceptions maybe in the market. And for me, that means the conversation needs to get more open. Yeah. And that that was something that I really thought was a huge opportunity because for women in finance, when I mean, we talk about kicking glass and we talk about um, changing things, well, that means that as change is occurring, you can't throw up your hands and just say, oh, I don't, I don't, it's too much, right? Or yeah. hand your, you know, the old school mentality of, you know, the, the guy makes the money and the woman just like, no. Like, this is something that is an emerging technology. It's not going away. It's... It's very exciting and let's have those conversations. Let's be very frank and let's be empowered to make those decisions and then let like those Somi platform be one that um, allows stories to be tell in a way that's monetized and that people who are really out in the trenches doing great things um, have opportunities to move the needle that maybe in some of the other ways or on some of the other platforms they don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes like this point where, you know, just more education is needed. And then frankly, like we talked about uh, earlier, 
is it really just comes down to the productization. Like, so as an individual, um, as a mass market individual, you know, you don't necessarily care what technology is being used. You care that it's solving different pain points or problems for you, right? right? Like, hey, like I want to have access to my own information, or if I am sharing information, I want to participate in its monetization. You know, I want to be I want to be included in that. You know, like the 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 Cambridge Analytica with Facebook comes up a lot in these types of conversations and. You know, obviously, like there are some people that were really pissed off about it, but not enough necessarily to get rid of their Facebook. Sure, there are certain people that <laughs> right. did, but you know, I remember seeing like some very prominent people, for example, saying like, "Oh, I'm I'm done with Facebook," and they're posting this from Instagram, and it's like, <laughs> oh, like remember, like they're owned by the same company, so I don't know that you're uh, that the data flow is probably pretty similar there, but um, you know, it's it's really all about making sure that you get to participate, and I think that kind of you know, is analogous to your story and your upbringing, right? It's like, hey, like, we want participation and, you know, we want to be uh, compensated and rewarded for what we're doing and, you know, and, and have that value in the network, so. Right, and, and as an influencer, you know, if if my content or someone else's content moves the needle, right? Moves hearts, moves minds, people want to read it and they want to see it, well, it, isn't it a great thing to actually be rewarded for being that and to encourage people who, you know, say that, you know, you love that girls are in football or, or a message that um, I put out there resonates with you in your heart. And then you know that you sharing it actually supports that. Yeah. How powerful is that? Instead of just like, you know, some fuzzy cat picture or whatever, you're like, no, no, this is important. And you engaging with that is actually being rewarded on a level like that that just changes things fundamentally and i think it gives some of the underdogs places to win and yeah. i'm always for that that's awesome that's awesome well I'll, I'll keep teaching you and showing you giving you information that you can continue to learn we'll get you some bitcoin and so forth so you can start i know playing i'm excited good good so um i guess last you know what are what are kind of the best ways that people can stay in contact with you i know you have a book um you know I'll let you plug that obviously because i yeah, want people yeah. to read your book but you know like what are the best ways for people to kind of keep paying attention to uh what dr welter is doing sure um so uh my book is called play big uh lessons in being limitless from the first woman to coach in the nfl it's a good read i think um you don't have to be a football person to like it like people say oh is it a football book no it's a life book yeah. that happens to play out on the football field for right. me um but it is written in a way that um there are a lot of good takeaways and lessons so that's nice but to stay up with me i know as as we obviously said that's you'll you'll be finding us us both on so me right um but my website is just simple it's jenwelter.com that's like a welterweight in boxing um, but again, I'm not heavy enough, so I've been punching above my weight class. That's like God's irony for me. Um, and then, you know, as we just said, no Facebook, but I'm on Facebook. Um, it's drjenwelter.com or Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook. Um, LinkedIn is Dr. Jen Welter as well. That's one of my most active um platforms i think because it's just a different communication yeah and you're engaging with different people and to me it's a place you can really powerfully speak um welter 47 on instagram and at j welter 47 on twitter awesome awesome well this has been a super great conversation i'm glad we had a chance to meet and i'm glad we had a chance to introduce you to everybody thanks for being here thanks for having me yeah anything you want to leave us with 
Um, you know what? Just a couple of things. Remember that what people say is wrong about you might actually be what makes you right right now. Um, and love your brand of crazy. Yeah. If if I hadn't been told I was crazy my whole career, then I was probably on the right path. Or you know, if I hadn't been told that I was crazy my whole career, I was probably on the wrong path. Yeah. Because if somebody could see what you saw, they probably would have already done what you're doing. Totally. No, I love that. And like you think about anybody who's found mass success, like they've been told they were crazy. Hundred percent. You know, it's that's the fine line between brilliance and insanity, right? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and we'll, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the TF Blockchain podcast and follow us on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn at TF Blockchain, uh, as well as you can find us at tfblock.io. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain podcast. Please help us continue to spread blockchain, Bitcoin, and crypto awareness by sharing this podcast, attending our events, following us on social, and rating and reviewing this podcast by clicking all the stars on our homepage so we can be more accessible across Apple, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. Thank you for your support. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep building. The views and opinions expressed at TF Blockchain events and podcasts are solely those of the ones presenting and do not necessarily reflect the positions or opinions of TF Blockchain. TF Blockchain is not responsible for the opinions or content of its guests and does not endorse any particular company or currency. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions.